Welcome to the Midweek Social on All Villa, No Filler. This week's guest is James Rushton of the House of V newsletter. James, it's absolutely fantastic to have you on. Uh, I've been a big fan for a long while. Um, but, you know, let's get straight to the big story this week. Unai Emery is the new Aston Villa manager. What do you make of that? Oh, to be honest, it came out of a left field for me. I, I did like a list of them and I, you know, I'm not going to say I forgot he existed, but I just didn't <laughs> think it was like, you know, a possible thing because, you know, Pochettino was and, and Tuchel were like the, the higher bar. Um, but they're out, of, you know, they're out of jobs and looking for like projects or whatever. But, you know, mm. it's, it quickly became apparent that it was impossible that either of those two would even consider Aston Villa based on their like current circumstances. You know, no disrespect to the club we all love. But, yeah, you, you know, when uh, when the kind of talk of, you know, Emery, it was a uh, Ruben Amirim as well. Um, yeah. But then like after when it all comes out in the wash, you know, was he ever going to join like? He's got a Champions League campaign on the go. I mean, Villa are an ambitious club. Stuff like that can be hard to pull off. And there was like rumours of 30 million release clause, a 10 million release clause. Either way, it's like mm. double um, what Villa had to pay to kind of even speak to Unai Emery. But mm. yeah, it makes it makes a huge amount of sense. And I, I'm really, really happy. Like, I don't want to, you know, be too bold, but that this kind of the best quality coach Villa have ever hired. Like it's gotta be up there because you know he's yeah. got a serious pedigree. I think um it was said he's like 14 consecutive years in European football. Like, that's that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's a it is crazy, isn't it? You think like I was thinking back about this, like what was um who is the most high pro- high profile managerial appointment we'd made while well, I've been following the villa since ninety-two. So that was Ron Atkinson who was in charge. Yeah. The other one I can really compare it to is maybe it's probably Martin O'Neill. You know, O'Neill had won quite a bit at Celtic. He overachieved at Leicester, and you know, got Celtic's Europa League final. But Unai Emery still feels like a step further than that. You know, it's like it's um. If it, do you think it sort of feels like a big moment for Villa? This. Yeah, I mean, like the Scottish Premier League, obviously, has been on a bit of a resurgence with Celtic and Rangers being in the, the Champions League, but in. In that kind of O'Neill era, they were they were compete like you said, Celtic got to Europe, you know, UEFA Cup final, I'm sure. Mm. Under under O'Neill, and you know, they were dominant, they played great football, and you know, he was a personality. So I remember the photos of O'Neill coming out and everyone was like rubbing his head, like <laughs> God had like the son of Christ had literally walked parted like the crowd and walked to like Villa Park. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I imagine back in the day, like you and I Emery would have probably been about that, you know that level i guess i mean it's really really hard to compare because of the rapid kind of acceleration of football mm. but yeah i got i mean you know succeeding arsene wenger at arsenal being the paris saint-germain coach um knocking around sevilla spartak valencia mm. he's been everywhere mainly in spain but across yeah. you know across the continent and and, and you know, russia indeed but the, the big one for me was like the man that got chose to succeed arsene wenger Things fell apart there. Um, I've listened to a number of podcasts, the old, you know, Claret and Blue one. Mm. And I had an interview with, I'm going to mess up his name, uh, like Guillem Balagay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, they, he, he said there, like, the things he wanted to do at Arsenal have only just been done. Right. So, you know, right. who knows what would have come of that? Would have he been able to replicate Arteta in the long run? But, you know, that's, I told news now, isn't it? That's almost ancient history, like three or four years ago in football. 
no, um, you know, it's, it's almost pointless considering, but that's a big one for me. You know, Arsenal, I think you, you're getting the manager who succeeded an absolute footballing institution. Yeah. So he's got to be head and shoulders above Martin O'Neill, unfortunately for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to agree. I mean, I mean, he won the Europa League last year, you know, um, with, I mean, Villarreal have been kind of pushing around in Europe for on and off for about probably about 20-ish years now. But they've never actually won anything until he finally managed to deliver them that trophy and beat United in the final as well. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty exciting to think that he's now turning up at Villa. And you look at the teams he's been at, you know, you kind of, as you mentioned, like Valencia, uh, Villarreal, um, trophy-laden uh, time, particularly at Sevilla, managed to get Valencia's regular third place um, teams. And I'd say they're the teams that within La Liga, you could compare in size to the likes of Aston Villa, really. And, you know, maybe he just is a kind of manager who maybe just suits teams that are, of, you know, rather than being right at the top and everything's going away all the time, maybe we're a te- he's good at building a team of fighters who maybe punch against their weight. Yeah, I mean, like the the Villarreal job, I, I didn't realise how kind of, not small they were in the scale of Spanish football, but... Mm. Because growing up, I'd you know see them in the the Champions League and the UEFA Cup. Like you, you, you immediately assume they're a massive, massive team, and that, you know they're there for a reason, and they they are there for a reason. But I think like someone I used to work with, Jamie Kemble, who's a, a massive Villarreal fan, and he's spoken at length about Emery hmm. um, after the move. You know, he's given a lot of opinion on, on Twitter about it. Um, I think he did a video, and it's just like it shows you like the 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 scope is is way different to Aston Villa. It's it, it is pretty small. It's intense, mm. but in the big picture, it's no Barcelona. It's you know, it, it's 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 no Real Madrid. It's not you know, it's no no Atletico. It's 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 there's levels to the game, and yeah, I think it compares so well to Aston Villa in that because Aston Villa, we can go on about our history and that we're a big massive club, but the proof's in the pudding, and we've been a, a disaster this season. <laughs> No, we've been <laughs> pretty, m- pretty middling for a while, and like <laughs> yeah. we we have not been big for generations now. Yeah, like actively, like you know, I, I I'm gonna be thirty in March. I can't remember Villa being a big club since two thousand and eight. Yeah, yeah, and even then it was a push. Even the moment Martin and Neil walked out the door was when it all felt like it just went very downhill very quickly, didn't it? And you know. Yeah. Randy Lerner turned off the money taps. And to be honest, the last 12 years, other than the last, I guess, you know, under Dean Smith, it was it was a lot of fun. But as yeah, as you say, in the last kind of 12 years, we've not been top half Premier League really at all. Um, relegated. Uh, it just feels like we've been a club that's been trying to find an identity that works. Under Gerard, it just didn't happen at all. The identity was sort of narrow nothingness. Um people not knowing what to do, basically, in attack. And now it just feels like there's a clean slate for Unai Emery to go into here and instill some kind of tactical discipline. And ultimately, you know, our aim has to be to get into the top half and to to push for Europe now. And I think I'm confident he could be the man to do that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that, to be honest. I think the agenda's set. It's not for Villa to be this club where he can establish his name. Like, mm. he's an elite coach. At the end of the day, he's won more cups than Villa could have could hope to win 
probably in the next decade, in the last yeah. decade. So, yeah. you know, he, his background's wild. And, you know, even at Arsenal, he's won half, half his games. And mm. based on what happened after him, you know, it's almost like you'd look at him now if Arteta had not kicked on and went, oh, you know, he's the, he's the guy. You can yeah. take us, you know, back, back to the glory days. But he's, it's about him getting Villa to his level. Which yeah. is, you know, that excites me. It's not, you know, fair play, Steve and Gerald for winning the title at Rangers after a long, long time. But, you know, you're up against what, Neil Lennon? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, I don't, I, I'll, I'll never disrespect the Scottish League, but like, it's different. You it? have to win there consistently. You're like, yeah, you only have one person to beat, but you got to beat them like, what, three times a season? Mm-hmm. Well, like, that, that in itself is a challenge. But it's levels, again, like I say, like what you and I, Emery's achieved, it's about, not him making his name at Villa and going to the Liverpool job. Mm. It's about him coming in, not to save Aston Villa, but to bring them to their, his level. And that, again, like I just said, that excites me. Yeah. Like after all we've been through, it's not about this unknown quantity. It's yeah. about a guy who's he's probably going to do a good job at Villa. And if he doesn't, there's going to be serious questions asked, not of him, but of how the club supported him. Well, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that day. Um, Sort of Christian Perslow and um, Johan Lang, I'd say particularly Perslow, it feels like his name's come up a bit more among Villa fans than was previously the case. And I think a lot of that was probably because we all kind of associated him with the Gerrard hire. And as that got worse and worse, um, particularly this season, and you're looking at it and thinking like, is Perslow just going to stick with his man? Um and just try and give him as long as he can to get out of it. It's it's a lot of pressure on Perzo to get this site, this one right, really, isn't it? Yeah, what always kind of goes back to me is almost the emotional relationship. I think Frank Lampard has probably established that he's somewhat all right at management. But if you go mm. back to our playoff final, Frank Lampard wins with Derby. They go up and he stays at Derby. Chelsea don't hire Dean Smith. Mm, yeah, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, like that would be ridiculous to even consider, but they did exactly that when they hired Frank Lampard. And the only kind of qualifier is, oh, he's a Chelsea boy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So the, the emotional relationship is really empowering in football because it's an emotional game. Um, the hiring of Steven Gerrard was a little exciting because you you're almost like, what if? What yeah. if he really does really well because he was a good footballer? You can't get any more Premier League experience than Steven Gerrard. You know, mm. it, it, it's completely out of the question unless you're hiring Rooney or Lampard or, you know, possibly even Scott Parker. But yeah, that emotional relationship is really, really strong in football. And I think Christian Persler really shot himself in the foot there because you can't tell me he was the right man. Like, we were all kind of blinded at the time and a few people did actually kind of raise red flags about it. Yeah. But you know, you want you had this hungry manager whose anxiety to succeed defines him at a job where he, there is a hunger and an ambition and a burning flame to succeed. Should all go well, but I can't see how I, I like I would need written evidence of him being Johan Langer's guy. Like yeah. I I don't think he would have went. That's my dude. Hmm. You know, the guy Celtic hired would have fit the bill a lot more. There and Postecoglou would have yeah. hit the bill way more than Gerald ever would have. And I can't understand why, A, I allowed myself to, to be deluded into thinking it was a fantastic idea. Mm. Or B, why the leadership of Aston Villa thought that would be the right call. Because 
you know, you, if if it's reliant on his coaching team, including Michael Beal staying together, that's high risk because yeah, that yeah. that the QPR move where QPR came in for our, the guy who was essentially doing the job, you know, <laughs> like it's you know, it's not like they're taking your manager; they're taking a guy who wants to be a manager, the assistant manager, which is like that's an explosive situation, yeah, to, to deal with. So yeah, person, I think the planning wasn't there. I don't, I, I, I can't get my head around why this was considered such a good idea, even though I am myself one of these people who did think it was a good idea, but yeah. I didn't have the reams and reams of data, the personal knowledge, etc., etc. I just went that, you know, we're on a high. Yeah, it's been a bad few months, but look, the direction's only upwards and clearly yeah. the opposite was uh, proven, mate. It was, it was quite Hollywood, wasn't it? It was, yeah, as you said, you know, it was, a, I don't know, a bit blinding, I think, to a lot of us. Um, I actually listened back to, to the podcast we recorded post, uh, Dean Smith sacking last year to see what I said just you know sometimes I doubt myself and think like god was I like just saying Gerard with the greatest thing ever at Villa I listened back and I said uh, I don't know if he's the one for me I'm more into Graham Potter and I'm like oh yeah I should have my CV <laughs> into our Villa partner should I <laughs> step aside I mean, Christian that's, that's the one isn't it it's like yeah. there's like this idea that there's a manager with personality who can kind of like just vibe and bring you forward and then there's the idea of like a manager who installs a system and they should follow each other when that system kind of goes to pot and everyone's bored of it. You bring in a guy like, you know, an Ancelotti, in our yeah. case, a Steven Gerrard, who can just like point fingers and go, look, run a bit more. You get a few <laughs> points that way. And yeah, then they very kind true. Of, kind of, they mm. bottom out and then you bring in the system again. Yeah. The, the problem for us is like the middle bit, the guy who is the motivator wasn't a motivator yeah. at all. <laughs> so, a demotivator. So. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> like maybe jumping from Dean Smith directly to you and I, Emery, wouldn't have worked because it's system to system. Yeah. It's upheaval. Whereas now you've kind of got this situation where there is that need to bring mm. in that guy who's going to play the Villa way, hopefully. The Villa engine is, is the... Is the uh, kind of haunted name of it all from the finest <laughs> days but that's ideally the thing isn't it all villa no filler on youtube twitter facebook and instagram the recent podcast we did uh you know um after the bournemouth game or bournemouth sorry brentford uh win um we were talking about the new managers and uh, Unai Emery didn't come up because uh, we had absolutely <laughs> no idea he'd even been linked to the job. So we were talking about Amarima think, oh, maybe, you know, a bit of a risk. Ange was kind of, the Celtic manager was kind of actually someone I was drawn towards. And Brendan Rodgers, I thought, you know, could, maybe he needs a break after Leicester when he eventually leaves that job and maybe going into Villa would be too quick a move. But I don't know, I, th- I thought he'd be quite, a, quite an attacking coach. He might like his style, but... Yeah, I think looking at Unai, as you say, it's a track record of winning, which we desperately need. And we desperately need like a winning mentality, tactical analysis, somebody who's just going to get us potentially pushing for Europe. Uh, maybe even going far in trophy, in cup competitions as well. Um, and you can't, so you can't really argue against that that's what he likely brings. Um, but I, I don't know, I just, uh, just I'm quite interested to see how um, he's going to set up the Villa. Do you think he'll stick with like the four-two-three-one that we saw against Brentford? Yeah, I think I think he will, but I, I don't think he'll be married to it. I think yeah. that's probably like Villa's formation now because they've got the players and the freedom to play. And I think everyone could kind of see that was a way we should have played rather than whatever we were trying to do beforehand. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not whatever gonna. That was. Act- 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not going to act like Traore, uh, Al Ghazi, and Trezeguet were going to save our club. Yeah. Um, but getting rid of, you know, every winger at the the club to play a certain style after those wingers had been bought for specific reasons, hmm. and then realizing that's the only way we can play good football is a bit of a um a kind of a miss. So hopefully the club can get it, you know, get it in the idea that hey, you can do different roles, tweak, you know, tweak the aggression of certain players, give different instructions. But at the end of the day, the formation isn't, you know, it's it's not what you, it's not what you're going to live or die in unless you're crowbarring a system into place. And, you mm. know, Villa's system has always been for however long to play wingers. They've had yeah. these, you know, whether it's kind of a trickier, kind of more glacial paced guy like Jack Grealish mm. he's got every skill in the game or someone explosive like Leon Bailey or a bit more dynamic in terms of their height and physical difference like Al Ghazi yeah. um, I I really like the idea of us sticking to a formation and maybe bringing more more changes in terms of what players are asked to do and going mm. oh we're playing Chelsea let's have a back three today Yeah, you know I don't it's very football manager very plug and play to kind of do when I, I don't think Football mirrors that, so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, formation—it's always going to be a big question. Why we, why shouldn't we play? We talk front, but I'm more interested in what Emery asks those players to do. Yeah, I'm hoping sure. he doesn't turn it too far away from Aaron Danks, though, mate. Yeah, to be honest, I agree. After Brentford, <laughs> Danksiola. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, uh, absolutely agree. We were absolutely just. I think it was just like that opening goal in the sunshine. It felt well like the club had just been liberated from this kind of reign of boring. It's not even terror. It was just reign of dreariness that we've been through. This, you know, the attack doesn't know what it's doing all year. Suddenly, we just have a formation where the players are suited. He picks the players who are in form um, on Sunday, uh, Danksiola, and. Uh, you know, it just felt like that opening goal from Leon Bailey was just like a massive explosion of like freedom, you know. Um, and as you say, I, 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 I'm interested to see how uh, we get on against Newcastle at the weekend, likely playing that formation. Um, Newcastle did struggle against a 4 2 3 1 at home uh, when they played Bournemouth uh, earlier this season. Um, but also, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how some players kind of get on under Emery, you know, like. You know, uh, I, I was reading that Lucas Torreira, I think, when he was at Arsenal uh, with Emery, played kind of further forward in a 4-2-3-1 as a kind of destroyer, almost a defensive number 10. So he obviously had an attacking role, but he was also quite defensive from the front. And I do wonder, do you think that could be like the future for somebody like John McGinn? Yeah, because like John McGinn is such a weird, unorthodox player because he's got the yeah. kind of build of like a defensive midfielder. The way he kind of goes about the game is like someone you would expect to be a defensive midfielder or maybe even a fullback, but he's he's not. He's like a really kind of creative, aggressive player up front, but he's, he's got these weird qualities that put him in between. Mm. My my kind of like perfection of John McGinn in my head is that first Premier League goal against Tottenham where he's yeah. just, he's the first guy forward, he's a second striker. And I mean, it's so unattractive just to label him as that because... You don't under, you don't see John McGinn as you know the ten, you know it's, it's almost like he's the, the the unsexiest player in the team. But <laughs> just, you know, yeah. but look, like that's what we see from John McGinn in in the first Premier League season. How far forward he is, yeah, and how much success he actually has in that role until an injury, yeah. And since then, he's just been stuck in midfield, literally by definition. As in, he's not 
able to link up the play. He's not able to do this, you know, in the first Premier League season, I'm sure his passing stats were atrocious. Yeah. Literally, because he didn't need to pass because he was the, the striker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you don't necessarily need that in this team anymore, but I'm not saying that John McGinn is the 10 or is the second striker or should be our striker, but that is his best position. Yeah. Like, as, as his own player, not necessarily for Villa. He's not necessarily the best player in that kind of depth chart for Villa because, I, you know, I'd probably take Danny Ings. <laughs> You know, behind the striker, you know, Coutinho Buendia behind the striker over yeah. John McGinn. Yeah. But that's that's where he would want to be used in my mind. And, I, you know, it'll take some serious kind of coaching plan to kind of transition him as he gets a little bit older now into a deeper role. Mm. We've, you know, we've seen the John McGinn passes that can some sometimes come from, you know, that deeper position, that, like wild hooking straight out of play. Yeah. he He's the guy that breaks. He's the guy that, you know, he's chaos untamed yeah. and you know i don't know if it suits you and i emery to have a player where you go kind of you know do what you want a little bit yeah um but also on the other hand great coach might be really excited to work with john mcginn and see what he can develop from this really weird kind of unique player yeah i think that's really well put he's uh he is a unique player and i think uh yeah it could it could potentially revitalize him if he gets to play a little bit further forward and can do those sort of you know those sort of horrible defensive style duties, but then also show his more attack, more of his attacking prowess. Because I think sometimes when he sat deeper in midfield, is you know you saw Louise and Dendonka play together the other day, and Louise technically looks so proficient. He's so good at just getting on the ball in awkward positions, and his passing tends to just be a bit more accurate and consistent than John McGinn, who can be a little bit more wild with his passing. Um, and the same, and then Donker obviously is just a better CDM because that's his position, really. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how like Ramsey and McGinn get on, and you know, also, you know, Arsenal, Emery brought through a few youth players as well, Saka, Emil uh, Smith Rowe. So, you know, it's also, it, do you think it could be good news for the youth players as well? Yeah, I mean, Villa's academies, I mean, Arsenal's when you when you mention all those names, it's really, really attractive, isn't it? But, um, yeah, no, Villa's is, is no, no laughing stock, I think. Yeah, the the majority of the the serious talent seems to be out on loan. I mean, you know, Finn has still you know, people writing him off because he moves at twenty to mm. Villa, but you know, twenty one, twenty two, the, the arguably the star player in the leagues he's played in. He's a yeah. walking high lot real for Argyle, isn't he? Um, so I mean, he's not going to have a chance to work with kind of that talent. Aaron, Aaron Ramsey as well at um at Norwich. Yeah, and of course, Kane Kessler Hayden when he actually gets the chance to play in and, uh, yeah. and Louis Barry. Um, but, you know, uh, and Tim and Robin, there's, there's loads of names actually out there. It's mad, there's isn't a serious, it? like, uh, lone army out there. It's, <laughs> it's so exciting, isn't it? Like, it's mad. Um, yeah, even even Brad Young on, on loan. Um, yeah. yeah there's, there's ben Crescenna, they're all on loan. Every, every name I kind of track down to, they're on loan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we're kind of, um, Jacob Ramsey's kind of the focus of that, mm. you know, growing academy. And it's probably not been his best year. I'd say hmm. Dean Smith and Stephen Gerrard managed to get a lot out of him last year. But again, it's about finding what type of player he's going to be outside of the form and outside of the excitement of playing for Villain, outside of the excitement of scoring good goals. Like what player is he as a baseline? You know, what if the if it's an average match and he's a six out of ten? Hmm. What performance is he? You know, what's he doing? What performance is he putting into offer something in those really kind of torrid sludgy games um and i don't think we see you know a, gr- a great deal from that he's either the guy who's won the game the guy mm. who's contributed to winning the game 
or kind of the guy who the game has completely passed by. And I'd yeah. like to see a little little bit more impact from him. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think something you could be confident with is that, you know, with these younger players and Ramsey as well, is that, you know, that they have... They, you know, Emery's a better coach than Steven Gerrard. I think Steven Gerrard yeah. would likely be the vibes man, wouldn't he? You know, like just get <laughs> yeah. out there and do your thing. Whereas Emery's probably chief vibes be... man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Emery's going to just be like, you know, in their ear, probably annoying them with how much advice he gives them. But ultimately, you'd be confident he'd probably be making them better players. And you know, if you see that track record of young players coming through at Arsenal, you know, it's got to give us some hope. I'd say for our own young players. Um, and also, like, you know, at Arsenal, I think it's easy to forget, you know, he wasn't that bad, really, you know. I think there's this idea that he was a failure there, but, you know, you're following up on seven, what was it, 20 years of, of uh, Arsene Wenger, um, you know, and incredible success that Wenger had and almost a cult of personality really around him, you know. It's, to come in and follow that, as Moyes found out at, at Man United, is very difficult, and to get them on a 22-game unbeaten streak, and I know they came fifth and fell away from the top four in the end, but, you know, Europa League final as well, it's not that bad, really. And, you know, Arteta's probably been able to build on what he left there. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think um, it's quite sad, actually, isn't it? Because, you know, he he's an extremely smart man, a continental kind of legend, yeah. coming into an Arsenal job off the back of, of like, Wenger, who holistically embodied the entire club yeah and like he's left with winning over half his you know league games a europa league final which yes they lost unbeaten streaks um bringing through quality talent kind of establishing like the, the baseline for what arsenal now are hmm. um to be left with like being mocked because he says evening and not evening yeah, yeah. is like a really kind of it's, it's like the worst side of British football. Awful. It's like Awful. what you see with Ty- Tyrone Mings, like almost, yeah. I mean, I can't compare mocking an accent to like Tyrone Mings, but like he makes a mistake. He's, you know, every betting account on, on football is ripping it out of him. Oh, it's just so, nauseating, isn't it? Nauseating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like even, you know, even in our kind of fan culture, when it's like, I'm, I'm Gerard out now, I've seen enough. And it's like, yeah, yeah but it, that's so binary. It's like Arsenal kind of made that their game with Wenger out. It's like, I'm Wenger in, now I'm Wenger out, I'm never going back. Yeah. Uh, you know, Wenger out, now I'm Wenger in, I'm never going back. It's such like a binary camp and I, I can't I can't get down with that, mate. Um. So, yeah, I, I don't think he did that bad, but it's that stain of British football that we have. Mm. And it's not necessarily so, like, very nasty or, or unthoughtful. It's just, it's annoying and it's like, really simplifying a, a game we love to a, a yeah. really kind of just banter yes absolutely that's that's incredibly true and it, it yeah it absolutely didn't deserve any of the that abuse and i hope villa fans generally won't you know jump you know that whole evening thing i, I just hope that doesn't become like a thing that like we become associated with i hope it's just something you know with you know in fairness like with Emery, I do think that him coming into the team, particularly now, you know, Villa fans, we've been so desperate for success for such a long time. If he does manage to get us into the top half, he could re- really become a, a very, very well-loved coach at Villa very quickly. Um, uh, but also, you know, something worth mentioning is, uh, you know, his approach isn't always like the most exciting to watch. Um, you know, from what I've seen of his teams in uh, La Liga before, 
but ultimately, if he could just get get us some tactical nows, surely that's enough, I would thought, um, and get us top half. But you know, what are, what are you kind of hoping for and expecting from him at Villa? I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? Because you associate the words like pragmatic with defensive and defensive with ugly. Mm. And I don't think that's necessarily always the case. I mean, yeah, probably in the 80s or the 70s when you played defensive football and you just pass it back to the goalkeeper. Yeah. And then the goalkeeper's passing to the centre-back and then you're passing back to the goalkeeper. Yes, that is that is boring, but with the advancement in rules, the advancement in positions, you know, defensive football isn't necessarily ugly. Like, mm. I can't sit here and call what Steve Bruce or Steven Gerrard try to do defensive because it, it we, we leaked goals. Yeah. In fact, I, I'd, I'd, call, I'd call it like attacking, but impotent attacking, like attacking yeah. with no know-how of how to kind of progress the ball. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, defensive football is probably like, if you look at a counter-attack, like counter-attacking football, arguably the most exciting football you'll ever see, you know, in those snippets you'll ever see. And yeah, it might be like 80 minutes of a, of a deep block, but those, those moments that win games are like, you know, th- those are the moments you remember, like Snodgrass against um, Sheffield United all of a sudden, yeah. bang, best goal of the season, yeah. match winning in the last second, right on the on the bounce. Um, John McGinn against Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, you probably wouldn't call Dean Smith a defensive manager, but the, the what we were able to do on the counter-attack, when we were pragmatic enough and when we, you know, after lockdown, when we became mm-hmm. a bit more pragmatic and a bit more kind of thoughtful about what we were doing in midfield and in, and in defence and that progression from the back to the front, you know, that, that, that became quite exciting. Um, mm. So I'm not going to sit here and say pragmatic is boring because we've seen attacking, actually. <laughs> we've seen all, a, an attempt at attacking and it was horrific. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> we've been served up some of the, under that banner, we've been served up some of the worst football we've ever seen. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah completely. So, yeah. I mean, defensive may be a buzzword for ugly, but I'm willing to give you and I, Emery, every chance to see what he can do because I'm pretty sure Arsenal... I've probably always been fairly exciting, probably not as not as exciting in their heyday. I'm yeah. pretty sure in the, in those 43 games he won <laughs> that they might have been all right, you know, to look <laughs> yeah. at sometimes. Yeah. Well, so you're exactly right about the term pragmatic as well. And I think, you know, I, I sort of think if I was to if I was to say what I hope to see, top half, push for Europe, and a cup run and also to beat Man United at home finally finally have a manager who has the tactical capability to bring an end to that reign of terror they've had over Villa Park I actually went to the last game they where we beat them uh 3-1 first game of the season 1995 before Jack Grealish was born I think uh, so, so please Unai free us from this spell of that's what I'm saying, mate. Like, imagine, like, it's like under the lights, Villa scored early doors, we're under mm. siege, and yeah. the crowd's backing them. And you get, if you get away with that 1 0 win, yeah, you can go, oh, we should have attacked them and got 2 0. But, like, usually when that's happened, we've been pasted because you <laughs> yeah. can see the evidence from like decades, like generations worth <laughs> of these matches. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and advocate for ugly football, but. If you've got a coach, you can outwit those guys and, mm. and get them on the bounce and deliver one of the more exciting nights at Villa Park or like one of the more exciting nights for away fans at Old Trafford that's ever been delivered by a Villa major. Mm. Why not? Maybe it does count for like sitting back one game in 10, you know? Yeah. 
I'd, I'd certainly argue it's been one of the most interesting hires in in the Premier League, kind of probably outside the top six for a very long time. Um, I'm just fascinated and excited to see how Unai does. But James, you do the House of V newsletter. I absolutely love it. It is hilarious. Every time I see it drop in my inbox, I just, uh, in my email inbox, I am just delighted because I know I'm going to have a good old read. Um, do you want to just tell us a bit more about the House of V, where we can find it and uh, how we can subscribe? Yeah, it's a, a Twitter-based newsletter. So if you, you don't necessarily need to follow me because I sometimes chat rubbish, but you can find me at JMO Rushton on Twitter and there's like a fat link immediately to subscribe um, to the newsletter. It's like a, a way for me to cover Aston Villa again because I currently work for the Independent and they're not, for some reason, not looking for a specific Aston Villa writer. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a way for me to kind of write about Villa and it allows me to kind of like do what I like to do and write a bit more like off the cuff and weirdly and like stick to my own style like when yeah. emery was hired i was at a i was at a gig uh wage war which is like a metal gig right, and yeah, i yeah. like and i was like i'm gonna do like the video like like ash priest does of like talking about the hire but i'm gonna do it like from here i didn't end up doing it because i couldn't hear like but i've just thought that type of thing is really funny to me like yeah. just having that like dumb just doing what you're doing of kind of guy who goes down the pub like to speak about villa kind of thing yeah that's what I want to do and like I'm finding I'm hitting a groove and it, it's good to write about what you love when you want so yeah how to be on, on uh, my Twitter profile at Jamie Rushton fantastic now I love, your turn of phrase is just brilliant the amount of times I'll be sat there quietly and then just laugh out loud and my <laughs> girlfriend will be like what are you laughing at and I'm like oh I just yeah, get her to subscribe man yeah so make sure yeah, oh, yeah I'll get her on it she, she's from Australia and I have managed to convert her to be a major Aston Villa fan now um, so I'll get her on the House of V as well <laughs> yeah no I appreciate it but yeah it passed 500 subscribers which was like that was my like year target and it's been going like four months maybe so three months right two months so yeah um, probably since July so yeah three months um, it's passed you know what it should have been by a multiple of three so it's going as three times as good as i ex- ever expected <laughs> uh so it's nice to quantify that but yeah it's going fantastic and that you know every I, I get constant good feedback about it it's, it's such a nice thing to do because people actively speak to me in my inbox about it on twitter That was the Midweek Social on All Villa No Filler with our guest this week, James Rushton of the House of V Newsletter. 